Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. So I want to talk to you today about uh, the process of promotion and how it works. And, And the fact that actually promotion is God's way of bringing us through, into and through our salvation. Salvation is just not a one-time experience, but actually salvation is a process of rescue and healing and strength. And what God's trying to do is bring us to this place of Christ-likeness so that you become a Christ-like man or a Christ-like woman. And, and, and God's idea for who it is we, we're created to be, God's dream, God's idea for us is in there somewhere. And so there are things that God has to remove out of our lives. There are things that God has to uh, place into us. There's things that God has to dig out from inside and so forth. So God is working on us, and he works on us through the, this process of promotion. But it's all in the context of, of, of bringing us into and through tests. We might call them trials and, and tribulation and so forth. But it's actually just life circumstances that God places us in because he knows it's going to draw something out of us that's going to bring us into a place of, of growth. And so this is the process of promotion. We've been talking about David, King David. And David didn't just magically appear on the throne one day, but actually he was promoted through passing the tests and and walking with God and, 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 you know, killing off the old nature that would want to do things a different way and submitting to God's nature and walking with the Lord. And through this process, he was promoted. And, and we see him come from a shepherd boy to grow into a, a great king in Israel. But what we have to be careful of is that we don't see these tests and these trials as insurmountable hurdles, impossible situations. And we, we magnify them and blow them up into, into, in our minds into something that we cannot seem to overcome. I remember when um, we were first getting ready to build this church and we had hired a construction manager to help us with all of the hiring contractors and all the different things that goes in very complicated construction process. But as, as time went on, almost early on in the beginning, we, we found some stuff that was going on with the, with the, the hiring of people and, the, and the, the prices that were so inflated and everything. Something was going on. And when we, we confronted him with this, he flew into a rage. And uh, when he flew into a rage, I just said, look, you're fired. We, we, we're, we're, we can't continue. And so uh, we went to the church and all of the men in the church began to rally and say, listen, we'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll take on these different responsibilities and so forth. And so we got experts in the different fields to help us. And we, we gathered the men of the church around the different experts, whether it was HVAC or, or, or carpentry or whatever it was. We had groups of men. And we ended up building the church ourselves in one year. It was, it was a miracle. But what happened was God showed us that, that if you will just, just walk with him and be patient with him and not and not uh, collapse in, in, a, in a test, a time of testing, that something beautiful can come out of it. And so anyway, we had this incredible unity. Uh, the church got built. The men were, were tight. The families were tight. Uh, everybody was uh, so, so thrilled and excited about this great celebration of victory that we had when we cut the ribbon and came in here, knowing that our hands had built this thing. What, what started out being a terrible time of testing 
ended up being an opportunity for blessing for all of the families, all of the children, all of the, of the little kids. Everybody celebrated this great thing. It was an awesome time. So we got to be careful that when God is trying to do something in our lives, we don't collapse. We don't magnify it to the point where it becomes overwhelming in our lives because God has a plan. He's got a purpose. He knows what he's trying to do. He knows what he's trying to get out of us. Or he knows what he's trying to pull up out of us. He knows what he's trying to cut off of us. God is in charge of this promotion process. We just have to be faithful to know God's walking with us. So we see in 1 Samuel, in the 17th chapter, Goliath coming against uh, the army of Israel. And it says in verse 16, For 40 days the Philistine, Goliath, came forward every morning and, and every evening, and he took his stand, and he shouted out his defiance against Israel. For 40 days and for 40 nights. Now, the number 40 is significant in the Bible. It is the number of testing. So when you see this number 40, you've got to look at it in the context of, of, of what you see it because it's probably about something that has to do with the testing of, of the people that are there. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. It, it was a giant test on, that came on the earth, Noah and his family and so forth. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. And, and if you study in the Old Testament the number 40, you see over and over and over again God refers back to the testing time that Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years. And for 40 years they did this. And for 40 years they ate manna. And for 40 years their children did this. And for 40 years, it's, it's the time of testing. Uh, Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days. Jesus was fasting in, in, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And when he came out, the Bible says the devil came to test him, to tempt him. And so here's Goliath. He is the, he is the, the test that's coming against Israel at the time, and, and he's, he's challenging them. Now, this, this can be a very terrible thing, or it can be a test that people rise up and conquer. Now, God wants us in our salvation to go through these tests, to conquer in them, and to, and to grow. This is what promotion is all about. We pick up the story in verse 32, um, where David is talking to King Saul. Saul had uh, been listening to Goliath for these 40 days and had backed down. And this is what a lot of us do when a test comes is we'll sit back. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm stalled. I'm stymied. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm paralyzed. I'm not going to do anything about it. I, 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 what can I do? And so David comes on the scene and he says to Saul, let no one lose heart. This is what we should not do. We should not lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight. We should not lose heart, but we should go and fight. We should stand up. We should know God is on our side. I'll go fight. And uh, Saul replied, you're not able to go. This is, this is, if you could just picture this, two different voices in your head. You have the spiritual side, and then you have the carnal side. You have the, the side that sides with God, and you have the side that sides with weakness. You know, uh, I, I'd rather just sit down. And so we see David's voice, and we see Saul's voice. I have both voices uh, competing for territory in my head. So I, ha I have to understand that there is a spirit side of me that will get up and fight. But then there's a carnal side of me that just wants to back down. Look, I'm just going to bury my head on this one. I'm just going to back down. I hope it goes away. I, I, I don't feel like dealing with that. I, I'd rather just not. 
But you see, that's not the voice of God. Saul replied, you're not able to go up against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, he comes back. No, no, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Now, go, go, go back to that verse. I just want to look at this for a second. It says, um, when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep. See, in this situation here, um, David, and Is- David was being stolen from. He, he, something was being stolen from him. The bear came to steal a sheep. The lion came to steal a sheep. In the instance of Goliath, he was going to steal from them their liberty. He was going to bring bondage against them. And so Goliath is, in a sense, doing the very same thing. He, he's, he's going to bring bondage to Israel. So David says, no, no, I stood up against the one that came to steal the sheep. I stood up against that. I'll do the same thing here. So go on. In the next verse, it says, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I love this because David is not magnifying the giant. He's minimizing him. He's bringing them into context. God is big, you're not. The giant is not. The situation is not. God is able, and and this situation is not going to overthrow God in my life. And so, uh, your servant killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I already know how it is to pass the test. I already know how it is to stand up and fight. Do not lose heart. What happened with the lion and the bear is going to happen with this uncircumcised Philistine. And so he's going to end up like one of them because he defied the armies of the living God. And so you see here that uh, David passes the test with the lion and the bear. And now he's ready for the next test, which is Goliath. It's another uh, promotion that David is about to enter into because he's passing the test. And so if God wants us to become who he's created us to become, he's going to walk us into these different tests. Maybe first it's the bear. Maybe first it's a situation that you need to forgive. But then he walks you into another situation where you really need to forgive. It's, 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 it's a greater situation. Or he walks you into a situation where you need to be generous. Then he walks you into another situation where now you really have to be generous. And God gets this truth of generosity to go deeper and deeper in your spirit. God gets this truth of of forgiveness to go deeper and deeper in your spirit. God gets the truth of courage or faith to go deeper and deeper. Integrity to go deeper and deeper. And he does this as he walks you through these different tests. He tests you in integrity. He tests you in your courage. He tests you in your generosity. He tests you in all these different things. And God's goodness and his favor is on you. Not to steer you around the test, but to accompany you through it. God's, God, people say, I want God's favor so I never have to go through anything difficult. I never have to go through the fire. I never have to go through the flood. No, no, you need God's grace on you because you can go through the fire. You can go through the flood. And when you do, something is going to come off of you that needs to come off. Something is going to come into you that needs to come in. And so God is working on us inside and out. It says this in James, the first chapter, 
Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. All different kinds of trials are going to come into our lives. And Paul, uh, James is saying this, consider it pure joy. You need to understand this is an opportunity for you to overcome. It's an opportunity for you to rise up. There are situations that will, will come into your life where you can either fold or you can overcome. And so we see this situation as, as one that is um, an opportunity to overcome. I remember years ago we had um, a local pastor in the area and uh, he was, had, had a whole sermon series against our church. He, he didn't like the way we worshipped. He didn't like the way we had talked about freedom. He didn't like the way we talked about uh, you know, the spirit of the Lord and all the different things. And so he had this giant sermon series against the church. And everyone knew about it. Everybody in the church knew about it. Everybody knew this was going on. They are having this whole eight-week sermon series against in the name of our church. And I remember that the Lord said to me, hold tight, don't say anything. Don't say anything to the church. Don't mention it. Don't just, just don't say anything and let me deal with it. And so what happened was not over. It, it, it didn't, it, there was no blatant something that happened, but the church just continued to prosper and continued to grow. And the more they said, uh, you know, how, how many wrong things we were doing as far as worship was concerned or as far as the spirit of the Lord was concerned, that the more they said, the more the church just continued to grow. And, and, and what happened was the church people began to see, you know what, no man can stop the work of the Lord. Even if you have a microphone, you, no man can stop what God wants to do if it's God. And so you have to learn that. And so we had to understand. So, so what happens is when people come and say something against you, you have to realize that no one can, can stop you or hurt you or, or, or divert the work of God through you by what they say. God's in charge. And so a lot of times God will just tell you, hold your peace, don't say anything, vengeance is mine, say it the Lord. And, and honestly, we didn't need to see any vengeance. All we just kept seeing was the fruitfulness of, of the churches multiplying and multiplying and uh, families being added and, and all kinds of great things going on. So I, I, I thank the Lord for that. But, but right now, God is molding you and shaping you. He's chiseling you. He, he's, he's working on you. God is always at work in our lives, and he does it through drawing us into these different life situations. So you're probably either in a test right now, or you're just coming out of one, or you're about to go into one. Those three phases. You're about to go into a test, or you're in a test, or you just came out of one. But, but you have to ask yourself, why is this thing happening right now in my life? Because God has an answer for it. He knows why this thing is happening in your life. He has a purpose to it. He's going to fashion you. He's going to shape you. He's going to mold you. He's going to cause humility to come into your life. Or compassion. He's going to knock pride off of you. And, uh, and build your faith. Build your faith. God wants to put into us um, more capacity. Capacity to endure Capacity to love, capacity to forgive, um, capacity to conquer, or even, even to be resilient. You know, God wants you to find the creative you that's in there. But you can't find the creative you if you're all inhibited and all bound up. And so God will bring you through different tests that will knock off of you inhibition, knock off of you pride. Those are sort of the same thing. 
to bring you into a place of humility where you can just be yourself. And when you can just be yourself, all of a sudden the creative you is released. And God is saying, that's the person I created. I did not create you to be bound up, worried about what everybody's thinking, worried about whether or not you said the right thing or did the right. I didn't create you to be all bound up, walking like you have a, 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 a mirror on both sides of you, always checking how you look and sound and act. God says, drop all that. Be humble. I'm going to cut this off of you. Whatever words were spoken over your life in the past, I'm going to cut that off of you by, by bringing you through this test. God brings you through the fire, and this stuff burns off of you. That's why James says, count it all a joy when you fall into these different testings and situations because God is going to do something deep in your life. Wisdom just doesn't fall in your lap. As you go through the testings and the trials and you begin to understand that God's word is true and he, he, he will uh, let the word of God go deep into your heart, he'll comfort you with the word of God. You, you begin to trust in the word of God. You can't get that out of head knowledge. You have to get it because you went through something with the Lord. I remember when I broke my neck and I was laying in the hospital bed and um, very unsure as to what my future held for me because uh, the doctors weren't even sure about the damage that was in my neck and so forth. I was laying in the hospital bed and I was saying, God, speak to me. Uh, begin to show me, God, what, why is this happening to me? What are you trying to get through to my thick head? What are you, what are you trying to do with me? What, what aspect of growth is going to happen to me uh, as a result of this? And over the course of the next six months, God began to just reveal to me, I, I, I'm doing this, and, and this is what I'm doing, and I've done that, and, 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 and this needed to go. And, and God began to show me that this was not just a test that you were going to be harmed in. This was a test that you were going to have a promotion through. And so all of these things we need to have in our life if we're going to grow into a, a Christ-like man or a Christ-like woman to actually lead a family, to have a heritage, to, to, to minister to others, to have something in us that's deep and real, that, that can minister to others. It's not all about me, all the floodlights on me. No, God says, I'm going to, I'm going to turn your heart to others. And you're not going to look at them until you can look at them with compassion. You're not going to look at them until you can look at them with my love. And this has to come into us through the testings and the trials and in life situations where we get God's compassion in our, in our hearts. And so I need the heart of David that looks, like, that looks at the test as though this is an opportunity to grow. Not like Saul, when I look at the test and I just want to get out of it. I just want to get around it. I just want to get through it. I'm not really looking to learn. I'm not worried about growing. I'm not worried about promotion. I just want to, I want to put my life on cruise control. And God is saying, no, no, I have an idea for who it is I want you to be, and I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. And I want you to go through this situation, and I want you to begin to utilize the things that you know and grow deeper in those truths. It's going to take some faith. It's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some fasting. It's going to take some battling. It's going to take some humility. But you're going to make it. You're going to make it, and you're, and you're going to grow. Now, 
I, I want to just shift gears just briefly and, and, and go back to this verse that uh, David tells us about this, um, this encounter that he had with the, with the lion and the bear. And, I, and as I said, it was something that was being stolen from him. And I, I want to ask you the question, uh, what about the enemies that have tried to steal from you um, what God has given you? If God has given you something and, and the enemy comes to steal it, or, or maybe the enemy comes to put on you the thing that has plagued generations in your family. Let's say divorce. Divorce comes against you. Your, your, your marriage is from God. You have a promise from God that your marriage will be solid, that you can have a happy marriage. But now the enemy comes to bring divorce. The enemy comes to steal from you. And what David says is, I, I had to stand up against this thing. I knew I was in this difficulty. A lot of times people just want to give up like Saul. You know what? I thought this marriage was going to be good. Uh, it's too difficult. I cannot make it. Uh, I, I just don't have it in me. And so I know I said I do, but now I'm saying I don't. Yet God wants to bring you through this test because if you can break off of you the thing that has been plaguing your family for generations, you can break this spirit of divorce off of you. What can happen is your children and your children's children can be out from underneath this thing, but God is counting on you to be David, not Saul. David, stand up against this thing and realize it's coming against you. It's coming against your marriage. It's coming against your heritage. It's coming against your children and your grandchildren. It takes a David to be able to stand up against this thing. But what's interesting is I love how this is kind of uh, progressive. I went after it. I went after it. And so maybe I'm talking to somebody right now. You're struggling in marriage. Listen, the spirit of divorce is trying to come in there and steal from you your future your heritage, your children. Your, 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 this thing is trying to have another generation of divorce uh, uh, propagated in your family. But God is saying, no, wait, hold on a second. You need to have the voice of David echo in your head, and I'm going to go after it. I, I struck it, and I rescued my marriage out of the mouth of the devil. I rescued it out of the mouth of the devil. And then it turns on me. See, the devil always comes back. He'll always come back. He'll always try again. He'll always wait for an opportune time. He'll always wait for a time of weakness and come back. And I, I love here where David says, but I seized it by its hair. I struck it and killed it. There need to be things that you say, you know something? I know I, I will never let the word divorce be mentioned in this house ever again. I'm going to strike this thing and kill it. We are never, ever getting divorced. We are going to work on this thing. We're going to be married how about poverty? Poverty comes. You know, the promise of God is that you would be prospered, that you would be productive, that you would have peace in your home, and that you could have the ability to be generous. And, and, and a lot of times people try to make uh, 
prosperity, the prosperity gospel, when in fact, the pros- prosperity is God's promise to us. It's from the Old Testament. It's throughout the Bible that God will bless and, and, and have his hand of protection on you. He will prosper you and he'll prosper your children. God wants prosperity to be your portion. He doesn't want a brokenness and poverty to be your portion. But what happens is the lion or the bear comes and tries to steal that prosperity from you. Tries to tell you it's for someone else, it's not for you. Your family has always been poverty-stricken. Your family's been poverty-stricken for generation after generation, but now it's trying to come and visit you. It's trying to steal from you the prosperity promise that God wants you to have in your life for you, for your children, your grandchildren. And the devil comes to try to steal that, but David said, no, no, you know what? I'm going to stand up to it. I'm going to go after it. I remember when we were uh, building our, uh, our other building, the Family Life Center, we had run out of money. And the church was in a very difficult financial place. We had no money, and the, all the construction, everything stopped. The building sat there empty. Uh, it was a shell, but nothing in it. And I remember that the Lord laid it on our hearts to um, give to a uh, uh, charity called uh, Feed the Children. And uh, the Compassion Coalition up in New York, we, we wanted to give to these different organizations. There were some organizations here in the state of Rhode Island and Providence that we wanted to give to as well. And the Lord laid it on our hearts to take an offering of $100,000. Honestly, I, I felt like this is way more than we possibly could ever. I mean, we might be able to come up with 6000 or 5000 not 100000 but I brought it to the church, and we prayed about it. And I'll tell you, the, the, the anointing of the Lord, the Spirit of God just fell so heavy. On, in that one day, that one church service, we raised $88,000 that day. And the, and the rest of the money came in. We had $100,000. We gave $50,000 to feed the children. We gave $25,000 to Compassion Coalition. And we gave $25,000 to these uh, Providence uh, uh, missions that were right here in this area. $100,000. We gave it away. And meanwhile... We were under the crush financially, and that building and the, all, the, all the progress had, had stopped in it. And, you know, shortly after that, a couple of gentlemen walked into the church, and they came into my office, and they said, we want to offer you some money to buy the lease that you have on the cell tower that's on your property. At the time, we were leasing this, <clears throat> the space for the cell tower and um, making a little bit of money every month. But this co- company came in, and, and they offered us $220,000 to buy the lease and that they would take it for the next uh, several years. And, and, and seemingly out of nothing now came this multiplication. Now all of a sudden we have $220,000 that we could continue on with. I want you to know that, that, that there, there's a test. And, and during that time of financial testing for the church, God said, I want you to give to the poor we had to rise up. We had to strike this thing. We had, to, we had to take back prosperity, take back generosity. We had to take it back and say, no, no, this is who we are. This is what the promise of God is for us. And so uh, then, then, it, then it comes on a later date, tries to get you again, but you stand up again. You stand up. And, and so I, I, I believe that we are a generous people and we come against the spirit of poverty. We come against the spirit of sickness. God's promise for us is that we would be healthy and strong and vibrant and happy, joyful, peaceful. These are the promises of God. And so when the test comes and says, no, you're going to be sick and you're going to be weak and you're going to have this generational curse passed down, 
That's why when, they, when you go for insurance, health insurance, they ask you, what's your family history? Do you have any family history of heart attacks? Do you have any family history of, of, of high blood pressure? Do you have any family history? Why? Well, because this stuff is passed down. Well, you know what? I stand up against it now, and I, I'm going I'm to stop. I'm going to take it back out of the devil's mouth and say, no, no. I, 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 I don't care what my family history was if it was not from God. Heart attacks are not from God. I come against that in Jesus' name. Let us all have healthy hearts from here on out. I want to I beat sickness off of my family so for my children and my children's children, I will have a heritage of strong, healthy people. We take hold of the promises of God. And David gives us this, this process of how to do it. I went after it. I went after the spirit of divorce. I went after the spirit of poverty. I went after the spirit of sickness. I went after the spirit of depression. I went after the spirit of addiction. I went after it. I struck it. And I killed it. And I took back freedom that God gave me. I took back the prosperity God gave me. I took back no, no more depression. I'm going to take back the joy of the Lord. And I'm going to say this is from God. And so I'm going to defeat it so that I can live in victory, my family can live in victory, my children and their children. You know, when, when you stand up for your marriage and come against the spirit of divorce, you will do it for generations to come. If you're Saul, you'll lay down, let Goliath run over you, and then that Goliath will, will wreak havoc in your family and your children and your grandchildren because Goliath knows you won't stand up and fight. And so God says, no, I want you to grow. I'm going to promote you in strength. I'm going to promote you in ministry. I'm going to promote you in the kingdom of God. You're not supposed to be broken, in bondage, defeated, weak, unable. God says, I want to promote you to be Christ-like, to be able to walk in strength, to heal others, to bless others, to, to speak to others. God wants to put on you a Christ-likeness. It's not, it's not someone who's broke and sick and divorced and, and addicted and depressed. That's, that's not Christ-like. And so God has a, has a vision for your life. And he's going to get you there by taking you through these various tests. You, you just got to stick with God and not be afraid to walk with the Lord through all these different areas of life. And so I want to finish with this verse here in um, 1 Corinthians. It says, no temptation, no test has seized you except what is common to man. You know, um, how, how I minister to people about uh, their marriage when it's so tough is to tell them it's common to man. Men and women are very different. But you can be married and you can get through this. You just are going to have to be humble. You're just going to have to learn to forgive. You're just going to have to learn to have compassion and love and understanding. But it's common to man. Um, poverty tries to come on people. It's common to man. Sickness tries to come on people. It's common to man. Situations, relationships that, that are breaking down, it's common to man. I, I got to seize this thing and work on it. And God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted or tested beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out. I'll tell you, the way out is right here. All of the keys to how you can succeed in life and succeed with the Lord are right here. You can't say, this is a test I cannot overcome. 
Because God says, no, every single test I would allow to come into your life, I'll provide a way out. I'll provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.